What is up, guys? Welcome to episode number 437 of our podcast, Philosophy. My name is Caleb Mackey. I'm here with Megan Robitaille, and she has selected a topic for us today that we are about to jump right into. So give us the deets, girl. What you got? Yes, I have. Uh, I have chosen the physical effects of stress on the body, um, as in, this can kind of go a couple different ways, but emotional stress, mental stress, as well as physical stress as a result of overtraining. I think that the fitness industry popularizes, of course, work more than it popularizes rest. Um, but for that reason, there's just so many people, they reach out to me, they're doing, I'm, all, all, I'm doing all these things, I'm doing all those things, and still no results. And they don't realize that you know, overstressing the system is kind of like overheating a computer or like anything else. It doesn't function. Um, and so I kind of want to talk about that today because I find particularly with the clients I work with, um, I'm the kind of person who's like a doer and it's harder for me to not do than it is for me to do. And that's how I, those are the people I work with. I connect with women who are like that because they need to slow down and their first inclination is to do too much, not to do too little. They're not like, I need you to get me off the couch. They're like, I'm doing all of this. Right. It needs to be simplified, right? Um, and I love working with those people because I think that a lot of coaches in the industry have this, this completely wrong belief that, and there's almost a way of putting yourself on a pedestal when you talk like this, which I also really don't appreciate. But there's this wrong belief of anybody who is overweight or has weight to lose or wants to get fit you know, they're eating more than they think they are. They're not tracking, they're eating snacks. They're not as active as they think they are. Like they're underestimating the work that they put in. And that's like the general belief. Um, if you talk to any other trainers and you're like, Hey, this client isn't losing weight. I don't know why most of them will say, mm, make sure they're tracking literally everything they eat because they're probably lying to you. And that really frustrates me to no end because there's this weird perspective in the industry that if people aren't seeing results, they're not doing enough. And I find that there's actually a much larger percentage of people that are doing too much. And when they are getting this messaging all the time about not doing enough, they're just inclined to add more and it gets worse. And so what you have is actually this population of people that are really overtraining and there's really no, like, there's no guidance that addresses that topic for those people, I think. Um, and like, maybe that's just my opinion. I think there's a much higher population of people overtraining than like proportionally the people in positions of authority or like influence that actually address those topics. So figured we'd talk about it today. Let's jump into the fact that simplicity is kind of the key to success in a lot of these things. And, um, Simplicity is the thing that we first start our, our people off like um, when a client comes in, one of the first things that you want to do is just track what they're eating and what they're not eating. Very simply figure out what they're putting in their body and how much energy they're putting out of their body. It's very simple, right? And as we progress into, into um, you know, supplementation and protein intake and tracking down specifically what macros that people are supposed to be eating, um, it becomes a little bit more complex. But what you're talking about specifically is overtraining, not just in the form of I go to the gym too much, but you're talking about I'm trying to do everything. I'm trying to add yeah. all of these supplements, all of these things. And mm -hmm. I think that just comes back to the very simple rule of 
Well, first off, you're not taking steroids. So your muscles are not going to be able to handle you going excessive amounts. Secondly, you're increasing your stress, which is that cortisol, which is going to create a lack of growth or a low energy threshold. And that in itself is going to prevent all of the work, all the effort that you put in from taking you to the place you want to get to, at least at the speed that you want to get to. So overtraining is essentially just as bad as undertraining in the form of overstressing. Yeah. No, and I think people don't, and there's a couple different ways you can look at this. Overtraining can be something that is seamless. Um, people, people don't realize, I think, how easy it is. There's a lot of articles on, you're not overtraining. It's way harder to overtrain than you think. Because there is a population of people who like, they're looking kind of for that mental excuse to not work as hard. And they're like, I don't want to overtrain. But there are people that it kind of depends on where you're, what perspective you're looking at it from. So for me, training at the appropriate level doesn't look like enough because I'm insane and that's how my brain works. So other people who are like me have perfectionist tendencies, like a lot of them even, they have a history of like maybe addiction or like eating disorders because they like have, they just like overdo things sometimes. Um, And so like for me, adding in all of these other factors like supplements and diets and all of that, that's more, that's more a result of, okay, so what I'm doing isn't working. So rather than going back to the drawing board and simplifying it, I'm going to just add something else on. So every time you alter what you're doing, it gets more and more and more and more and more convoluted. And that's really frustrating because what you need to do is go back to the basics, keep it super simple. Um, And it's funny because that's kind of like my pattern for myself that I still go into every couple of months. I find that I'm burning out and what I'm doing is too complicated. I dial it in, I simplify it, and I basically make more progress every time I go through that process. It's kind of like a cycle for me that I recognize in myself because I just always want to do more. But when it comes to adding in like additional factors, um, an example would be like, I was in a group today and this woman was like, I've been training for years and I'm finally giving up. I'm leaving this group. First of all, it was like, okay, uh, victim mentality and making an announcement to like leave the group. And she was like, I do two hours of cardio a day. I weight lift, you know, seven days a week. I am doing calorie deficit macros and all this, whatever. And I commented, I was like, I think you're overtraining. And half of the other comments on the post were like, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And one, one woman was like, have you tried intermittent fasting? And I was like, the last thing this woman needs is to add more stuff into what she's already doing. She needs to just take, like literally go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. There's something you're not getting. You can throw, you know, you can throw like a thousand, I don't know, paintballs at a wall and never get anything out of it. If you're not doing it in a way that makes sense. Um, And so for me, it was kind of just like, she literally just needs to rest for a month, eat better and like take a chill pill. Um, but, but yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to cortisol, we can talk more specifically about that, but I think this idea of always doing more doing more, um, it causes us to add in several different factors, which isn't necessarily like stress on the body as much as it is just too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Too many things going on. Like you don't need to be doing keto and intermittent fasting all at the same time. Like that's not, if you're not reaching your goals with those things, if it's not a lifestyle change that you enjoy for other reasons, it's just completely unnecessary. Um, and it's really annoying, but yeah. I mean, some of the biggest days that I've ever experienced in the gym are specifically from taking long periods of rest off. Um, now 
that doesn't mean that every time I take a long period of time off that I get back in the gym and I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Cause a lot of that time I'll come back and I'm like lazy or I'm tired and I have to like kick myself into gear again. But, um, for the majority of the time, if I take four, seven days off, four to seven days off, and then I go back to the gym, my muscles are aching to get stuff done. And I will see massive growth on that day. Like even from the beginning of the gym to the after I'm like inflated, I look really good. I feel really good. And my brain feels extremely clear too. So um, her training seven days a week, for example, that one scenario, that's just um, dumb. That's just dumb. If she's not at the level that that's going to make her happy doing that seven days a week. And even then, I would still say you need to take time off. Like you can go. Competitors don't train seven days a week. I mean, that's absurd. You can't train seven days a week. Yeah. And, and even if you, even if it's like, okay, your fifth and, or your sixth and seventh day are not hard intensity training, but they're just like jogging or that's fine too. But the goal I think is you need to be able to let your body totally sit, relax, or get Mm -hmm. enough sleep. Everybody's different. But for, for everybody that I know, and for every time that I've done this for myself, taking the actual time off and stepping completely away from it for a day to two days to a week, um, massive benef- massively benefits you. And that's the same thing with the kitchen too, is you don't want to just eat the same shit over and over again. Your body will get so attuned to that, that the second you eat something wrong, your body is going to have a negative reaction to it. And you're actually going to suffer because you're trying to do this 100% perfect diet all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I've, I've learned this lesson several times. Like, of course I come from a history of like a restrictive eating disorder, but for me, and it's hard to like define diagnoses on these things. Um, but for me, it was very much more of like compulsive exercise. So learning that my body could actually like look and feel better after taking time off, like that was a total mental hurdle I had to get over. And it was my mind holding me back. So one way that I really like to describe it is if someone's working out six, seven days a week, and they're not seeing the results they want to see, first and foremost, I know that they're not getting enough rest just by looking at the way that they're training. So they can't recover from what they're training from. But the second thing is that they're not training optimally. If they're not recovering optimally, they're not training optimally because you can't give when you haven't taken. So if you haven't rested, you can't give any more. And so because you can't give any more, you don't feel like you need to rest that much from your training session. So then you go and do it all again. So what happens is it's this awful cycle of overtraining and underresting, and they feed into each other because when you overtrain, you can't train hard, even if you think you're training hard. So you don't feel like you need rest. And so when you underrest, you don't have enough rest to train hard. And so what people don't realize is that working out four days a week and making it really fucking good. Like most people don't know what a really good training session feels like because they've never had one. They have no idea how hard they can push their bodies and they have no idea that doing that and then resting completely for 24 hours, like is the best way to do it. Um, so if you're resting optimally, you're training optimally. And if you're training optimally, it will force you to rest optimally. So when I started actually pushing my limits with like progressive overload, challenging not just my muscles, but my actual central nervous system. There were some days it felt like I got run over by a bus. I couldn't even go in the gym if I tried. And I'm not saying you should feel like that. That was just like the acclimation process for me because I was still overtraining, but it taught me today is not a day for the gym. 
because I'm literally, my whole body is recovering from this right now. Like if you feel like you can set foot in the gym seven days a week, there's something wrong. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's frustrating because it's like six, seven days a week. I'm doing it. I'm doing it, but I'm not seeing the results. And so then they're like, I must need more. I'll go, so, you know, I'll go twice a, a day for like three of those days. And then that process just gets worse. And I think what we need to be encouraging people to do is, and this is something I talk to my clients a ton about the small things need to be in line before you do anything else. So if, if you're not seeing the changes you want to see, stop looking at the workouts, stop looking at the meal plan and the secrets, look at your sleep, look at your water, look at your stress, look at how much time you're spending in the gym, fix those things first and see what happens. And then go to nutrition and start again with the broad, simple things, calories in, calories out, nutritious foods, fix those things first. And then you can go to macros. It's like, take it super simple because the truth is we're all looking at the complicated things. We're like, I'm not seeing what I want to see. Am I leg pressing correctly? Instead of like, it doesn't fucking matter if you're leg pressing correctly because you aren't resting enough to recover. You're not getting enough sleep and you're not drinking enough water. So that that's going to cancel out anything that you do further along in the process. Um, so my, my advice to someone who is stuck, but they're doing all the work is go back to the drawing board and start with the simple things first. And if you're just starting the journey, you haven't even set foot in the gym yet. Don't set foot in the gym until you get sleep, stress, water, then nutrition, then workouts. Like that's the order you go in because otherwise you're just setting yourself up. Like workouts rest on a foundation of all those other things. If okay. you don't have those things, you know, if you don't have those things in line, you're never going to get the benefit of the workout. And that's the truth. And that's the last 20% of, you know, we say diet is 80%, nutrition is 80%, and then uh, the workout is 20%. That's the truth too. And also, if it is, if you do have all this groundwork set in place and you are taking care of yourself in the right ways, then it might come down to that lifting. And a lot of people think, I need to add more sets because I'm not getting the results. I'm not getting the size, so I'm going to add more sets to the workouts and that also, oh, by the way, could you throw your phone on mute? I keep, it's going oh, off nonstop. Like, um, <laughs> I have, it, it is on mute. It's just the, it's vibrating. But Vibrator. I yeah. So a huge, huge thing for me is when I go into the gym, making sure that those reps that I do, each one is extremely powerful. Like when we're talking about high intensity workouts, those don't have to be five sets to 20 reps. Like that's an excessive amount of, of training on something that you don't need to. You can, get a, you can get a similar muscular breakdown from doing three sets to five. As long as those reps are going to be explosive, as long as you're engaging those muscle groups and doing um, the proper movements biomechanically, then you're going to get a lot of results just from doing that. And also this thing that's overlooked I see all the time is the breathing. Mm. I would say 70% of the people who go to the gym aren't even breathing correctly on those reps. And, you know, that breath is something that we see globally. We see it in martial arts. We see it in yoga. We see it in the Americanized version of yoga. And that <laughs> breath, that breath is, you know, in some sense, the energy of our body, our body, the prana, the chi, whatever you want to call it, that's oxygenating the muscles. That's giving you so much more power in those lifts. And even small shifts like that over and over again on every single rep is going to get you a little bit more, a little bit more until it's an exponential amount of growth that you're going to get. Yeah, no. And I mean, 
I think another thing, breath work is really important. I would love to do more reading up on that, but even something as simple as like meditating daily, even if it's a minute long, 10 really deep breaths, like as deep as you possibly can, like with a slow release, you will come out of that feeling like you just have so much more energy. It's like you needed a cup of coffee and then you don't. We all are drinking coffee and taking these caffeine supplements. We just, we need to like take deep breaths, honestly. That's one thing. And it's funny. But the other thing that was interesting about when you said you were talking about sets in the gym, um, there have been a lot of studies shown that it doesn't even matter how many reps it takes you to get there. But for significant muscle growth, you have to train at or extremely close to failure. Uh, and I think people don't realize that you know, it's going to take, it takes time. It takes time to build muscle, but it's going to take five to 10 years of your time to build significant muscle. If you are not training close to failure and that's the, the truth of the matter, right? So the best coach I ever had, and I've had a few, but the best coach I ever had, the biggest lesson he taught me was, was how to train to failure. That doesn't mean it has to be, you know, 245 pounds or something. You can train to failure by, you know, manipulating the tempo, right? Take a shoulder press and give it a really slow three second negative and take a weight that is challenging for you. Maybe you usually hammer out 12, give it 15 with a three second negative to where the last one is like barely going up. And that is a completely different feeling, but you only need to do like two to three sets of that. So for me, it's like the biggest lesson I learned from, from that was train at or close to failure, whatever that means for you. There's certain ways you can set that up and then rest more. So if I'm getting the benefit of three of my old training sessions in one training session, that's the best thing ever because I just, I have two more days to rest to where I'm recovering from it, you know? And it's just, when you train close to failure, you're going to need the rest. Like I can tell you right now, like I said previously, if you don't feel like you need to take a rest day, I talk to people at the gym all the time. I come seven days a week. No, no rest. I don't need rest days, bitch. You're not training very hard. Some days I wake up and I'm like, wow, I was going to go to the gym today. Not going to happen. And you have to be at peace with that because mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the day that it doesn't, there's no guilt associated with today because yesterday was so fucking good that I literally can't go. That's like a good thing. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's so frustrating, you know? Um, so training at or close to failure, I would say my advice for that would be progressive overload. So for most people, they really just do need to take the weight up. Women, if you're not in a calorie surplus, it's not going to make you bulky. It's also not going to make you bulky for like probably a couple of years, but you have to be in a calorie surplus for that to even start to happen. So stop worrying about it. Um, actually, power lifters, like the heaviest lifters, many of them are quite tiny because they're not training for hypertrophy. So like they're, they're lifting really, 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 really heavy, but they're not always growing muscle, if that makes sense. So the, the, the weight itself doesn't matter as much as how far are you pushing your muscles? When you feel like you literally can't do another rep, you like try to push for five more. That, that's the deal. Mm -hmm. um, but take the weight up, number one. And number two, control the tempo. That changed the game for me, especially on like a leg press, three second negative, like deep, like stop with the half reps and the six plates, take it to four plates give me a three second negative and go to failure. And like, seriously, you, you just, you'll get way more growth that way. If I see one more dude on the leg press with like eight plates on each side doing like third reps, 
with these chicken ass legs working out seven days a week, I'm going to pull my hair out. <laughs> the reason, the reason it, uh, it's, it, I think the reason it's important to note that you get pissed off about these people coming and be like, no days off is because they think they're hard and they think that rest is bad and they think, or, or, and, and they're not going to get the results that you want. Cause that's the part that pisses me off the most is like, you have no idea what you're capable of because you don't know how this whole process works. Like, yeah. I think I've brought this up before on one of our other podcasts, but steroids, these, the infamous steroids that everybody is so aware of, anabolic steroids, whatever they are, the things that help your muscles grow are a rest inducing, are they rest inducing bio, biological um, supplement, right? They're designed to help you recover faster. That's all they're designed to do. They don't help you or stimulate you when you're in the gym. They only help you recover after the gym. And that's the <laughs> funny part. People think that steroids literally make them stronger, but what's making it steroids do not directly make you stronger. They speed up the process of recovery. Yeah. And that recovery makes you stronger. So without steroids, you just have to fucking rest. And like don't do steroids. <laughs> basically <laughs> unless you're competing and you like have a coach who knows what they're doing just don't even entertain the idea um i'm not against it for like high level competitors who like know what they're doing know it like it's a decision that they make with their bodies with like the assistance of someone really really qualified but i saw a woman in a group the other day who just like wanted to lose weight she's like i'm i'm like i'm at my wits end i'm gonna try steroids and i was like you are not at your fucking wits end come on like you and that's the other thing, right? It's like people think they're at their wits end and they try to add all this stuff in, but they won't commit to just asking for help. Not in a Facebook group, not from your uncle. Like That was my first thought too, is she's in a Facebook group saying she's at her right. wits end. Like, like she's at her wits end because she needs to hire a coach. And that's the truth of the matter, right? Like there's no other way to put it. If you're not going to invest your energy and your time into yourself, then don't don't wonder why it's not working right the like to this day the year of growth that was the best for me was with like the best coach i've ever had and people asked me like wow the last six months have been like insane for you i've noticed it even people on facebook just who don't know me that well just like noticed it and they were like what did you change and i said i stopped training six to seven days a week and i started training only five days a week that's it just five days um, I simplified my workouts massively. I made them a lot shorter and I started training to failure and that was it. Yep. It was the hardest thing ever for me. I remember messaging him at the beginning and being like, are you sure this is enough? Like I'm resting way more than usual. I usually hip thrust twice a week and now it's just once. <laughs> like it was like, I was so anxious to just let go of doing so much and it was the best thing I ever did. So God, don't overtrain. <laughs> Um, but let's, let's get into like stress a little. So like maybe a little bit more on the science of like why overtraining is bad and, and, and how overtraining can be viewed as not just like doing too much in the gym, but just also in life, how stress can be physical and mental and it affects your body in the same ways physically. Um, well, I've got right here, I've got right here, um, mind and body balance and how, when we're going to the gym, we're doing 
overtraining or people are saying, I'm going seven days a week. Why am I not getting the results? That on a very simple level is an imbalance between the mind and the body where th- mm-hmm. the mind is convinced I need to go harder, but the body is actually so out of whack. It's not even able to do the recovery process. And there's because of these two things not being in alignment and because of this over hunger to change size or to lose fat or to get in shape or this it's almost like this addictive process and because you're so fucking attached to getting that result you're just killing it you're choking it out before it even has a chance to come to fruition and that's the last thing that i wanted to say on that is just it's really really important actually you know this whole process of building the body building the mind in any personal progression story is it's so important to be able to have your mind on the goal but to not become so obsessed with it that you get in your own way. It has to come on its own. It has to be, you know, your story is not you consciously making a million different steps in the right direction. It's you consciously setting the intent, making some changes and you doing 20% of it while the rest of it is up to whatever, whatever's in charge of the universe. That stuff happens um, very naturally on its own. Once you've set the intention, once you put the mind on the goal. Yeah. No. And there's a little bit of law of attraction there too. We've talked about this before. Like, so one of the biggest points of evidence for remaining like attached to an outcome attachment is like, I want it so badly and I don't believe that it's mine. So when you want something really badly, but you have complete 100% faith in it, you have the ability to remain unattached. And that that's a really good like metaphor for this is like relationships. I've said this before, I think, but people who are super clingy, that's like unhealthy as fuck because there's no trust in that relationship. Like if you guys are for each other, you don't need to be clingy because you know that what's yours is yours. And so we all know that like we have those friends like, no, they're so clingy and like, that's so unhealthy. And like, same thing. If you are clinging to your fitness goals, overtraining or adding more is just an example of, I'm not seeing the physical evidence of what I want happening. I'm losing my faith. And because I'm losing my faith, I'm actually becoming over obsessive about how much I'm putting in because I'm, I'm like basically control issues <laughs> are just being attached. I'm so attached to this outcome that I'm going to do more and more and more. Whereas when you know that what you're doing is effective, you know, it's paying off and you have full 100% faith in where you're going. You can just like train the appropriate amount and like not think about it on like every other time of the day. So that's just like another like law of attraction principle, which will always, right? I mean, it'll always require you to have that like 50-50 split between your mind space and your and your physical space, I guess. You can't manifest anything without doing shit. You have to do things. We both but, know. We both yeah. know. I'm so guilty of this right here. So guilty. So Me I, too. But, but, but this is our life. you can't <laughs> overdo a bad mindset, right? Like you can't, you can't say, oh, I'm going to do like 90% doing. I'm going to do all this stuff. And only 10% of my time is going to be spent on like how I'm thinking. And it just will not work that way. And so my biggest thing and how I like to run my business is like 50, 50 split. You sign up for coaching, you're signing up for physical and mental coaching. And you know, if you're not ready for that, then you're not fucking signing up because that's what this is. If you're not going to give equal priority to the way that your thoughts are operating, then you're never going to get there. It's, it's not 80, 20, it's not 60, 40, it's 50, 50. Your body will not surpass your mind ever. 
And, and so that's, and that's the balance yeah. right there. That's the balance we're talking about with mind and body is that 50, 50, the scale has got to be even baby. You got to put in that physical work. You got to put in that mental work and you got to let go. You got to let that yeah. process happen. Yeah. It, it'll really be like a snowball when it does happen too. But let's jump on to the stress. Let's jump on the stress. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's jump on to um, cortisol a little bit. Like let's make it, let's, let's take the science into it here and talk about the stress response that your body has and like the releasing of cortisol. So basically the fight or flight response, we've talked about that before in the state of nature, whatever you want to call it. If you're sensing that you're under danger, your body will release cortisol. It'll like raise your heart rate, make you feel panicked, sometimes give you like stomach upset, basic anxiety that has become like for a lot of us, like 90% of our lives, we live in the fight or flight response. So basically our environment doesn't warrant as much of a need for it anymore because for the most part, we're never really in that much danger. Um, but we are in danger mentally, emotionally. And so a lot of us live in chronic stress, which means that that fight or flight response is switched on a lot of the time when it's really supposed to be fleeting. So you can recover from it after the fact. So whether it is mental stress from your life, you know, mental stress from work, physical stress from overtraining, it doesn't matter where the stress is coming from. It could be under eating. It could be not sleeping enough. It be, you know, all of these things combined, even if you're training the appropriate amount, but you're under eating or you're under resting that can cause stress. Um, and so when your body releases cortisol in response to this, it really doesn't differentiate between mental, emotional stress or physical stress, which is why it can be an even more insane combination when you have all those things going on at the same time. Um, but basically releasing cortisol can su suppress growth. You know, it can fuck with your digestive system. It can mess with your immune system, your reproductive system. Basically it makes muscle growth harder um, because cortisol is catabolic, which means it breaks down. Uh, you want to be anabolic always when you're looking to build muscle. So it quite literally can cause you to slow down the muscle building process. It can also slow down your metabolism. So it can make you hold on to stubborn fat. A lot of people have like stubborn fat in their abdomen. For most of us, it can be cortisol related and, um, cravings go up. It affects recovery time. Like we talked a lot about how steroids, increase recovery time. And that's why they make you feel stronger. Cortisol does the opposite. It makes recovery time take longer. So if your cortisol is already high because you're overtraining, you're already not resting enough. And then the release of the hormone of cortisol makes even the rest that you get less and like less significant. Mm -hmm. That's just like triple whammy right there. It's, it's, it's bad. Um, I think it's real quick to note. Yeah. I think it's real quick to note as well. Uh, not all stress causes cortisol, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but there are uh, excessive amounts of stress that do release cortisol. There are foods that release cortisol. There's, um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But you know, obviously, there's there's stress from working out, which is good stress. But negative stress manifests as cortisol levels mm -hmm. increasing. Right. Well, I think I like to kind of think of it as like positive stress is kind of like, like negative stress is prolonged stress. Like an example of positive stress would be like, yeah, if you're doing a really intense hit workout, you're going to get that fight or flight response. You, you have to stress your body to change it. The problem is when the stress becomes chronic and you don't rest from it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're not like 
and this is why meditation and, and other parts that aren't in the gym become so important because if you're stressed in your daily life and you're not taking rest time from that stress, you can think of a day off from the gym is the same thing as meditation or like time off from how you're usually operating mentally. Because if your life is stressful, it's kind of like you're just in the gym all the time and you're never taking a day off. It's kind of the same thing. It's like a metaphor. Um, and so the problem too is another thing is it's not bad to use the gym for stress relief, but if that's the only way that you relieve stress in your life, you're probably not getting optimal results because you're stressed at home. You're, you know, you're stressed mentally at home. You're stressed mentally at work and you're stressed physically in the gym. You're never not stressed. And that's just too long. It's prolonged, I think. And yeah, and that builds up. And also, you're probably not having a very good life if you're living that stress. So I would say focus, like the gym can definitely be used to help with that. And I know a lot of people who, you know, their life came together when they started working out because they get those endorphins and they're able to relax after and they're able to sleep better and energy levels and et cetera, et cetera. But um, a lot of times when you're adding something else on, I personally don't love working out. It's um, something that I do for the after effect. Right when I get out of the gym, it's all worth it. It's Mm -hmm. all worth it right then. But the process during it, breaking down the muscles, breaking down the mental barriers, pushing farther than I want to push that day, all of that stuff absolutely sucks um, up until the, the end of it, which is the stress release, which is like the relaxation, which is the kind of like bliss state, you know? Um, and I think that's just really important for people to realize is if you're not, if you're not getting something positive out of it, besides you just focusing on the goal, then you should not be doing it. You have to enjoy at least some part of that process. I may not enjoy every fucking rep to get to the goal, but at the end of the workout, I get that release. I get that stress release. I feel extremely good. And that's what I shoot for on my daily routine. Yeah. I think I'm kind of, uh, I'm not the opposite, but I'm definitely like, I just have like a sick satisfaction from the pain. (laughs) Like I love every rep. I really do. And I love the after effect too, but I'm just like, I just love every rep. And I was trying to explain this to someone the other day because they hate working out and they've only ever done cardio and they've only ever over exercised. And a lot of people don't really get that. Like so many people who lift weights, like hate cardio. And they're like, how can you love pushing your body in one way and not in another? And the thing about weightlifting is that it feels, it doesn't feel like for cardio, I actually love cardio too, but I understand that like sometimes it feels like you're dying. Weightlifting like doesn't feel like that. It it doesn't feel the same. You're pushing your body so hard, but like in a different way. And it's way more satisfying. I kind of feel like it doesn't Agreed. You're not you're not dying, you're just like transcending. Like I don't know. Wow. It feels really good. This is transcendence body. <laughs> Super spiritual. Amazing, that last right? squat, I just became like it was an out of body experience. <laughs> Figure that one out. <laughs> but it is like it becomes so like metaphysical by the time you figure out like what it does for you, right? There are, yeah, there are. Um, you know, I have a lot of those moments when I'm using my body, not so much in the gym, but doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are some lifts. I I won't lie. There are some lifts that I really get after that I absolutely love, um, like back day specifically. But when I think about training hard, I think about squats, which I hate. 
Um, I, I love the first, I love the first couple of reps, but pushing myself past that barrier with squats always is the same mental barrier that I come to. That's this big monster that I have to overcome in court in order to get there. Um, but and I it's get all mental. 100%. Yeah, it's all mental. Yeah. And breathing, you know, cause your breathing will change too. Once that mental is in the right spot, um, or vice versa, if you want to do it that way. Uh, but yeah, I, I get that same experience I get when I've trained in the gym really hard and then I get to go use it like on the volleyball court or when I'm surfing or whatever, that feeling of using it for some like athletic sport is absolutely phenomenal. I love, Mm -hmm. I love, I love that experience. Yeah. Because then it becomes like, it transcends itself. Like it's, it's not like about doing the thing itself. Um, it's about like lifestyle functionality. Mm-hmm. which is what I always loved about like dance, right? Cause a lot of times half the class or certain classes are like very technique based, which would be going to the gym. And then like you use all of that and you put it into something that is so much more than what it did to your body or what it did to your strength. It's I can like perform. Um, and that, that's amazing. I think you need to find that thing or that element, that angle of like how it's going to go into the rest of your life, not physically, um, like as in the body change, but as like the experience, that's like a huge part of like why you're going to do this and stick with it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's massive. All of it's, all of it's super cool. But I think, um, you know, one of the big takeaways from this session specifically is just recognizing that stress can be very, very good or yeah. very, very bad. And it's, we're not trying to avoid stress here with all of this talk of, Oh, cortisol. We're not trying to freak you out about, Oh, maybe I'm getting cortisol, you know, barriers that are preventing me from getting where I want to. This all comes down to train hard when you're there, practice enjoying the entire process or some part of the process and be able to de-stress, like stress the body, de-stress, stress the body. It all comes back to that cycle. It comes back to, you know, you eat good on some days, some days you eat bad. All of this stuff just builds up to you at, at the very least enjoying the process and at the very most maximizing your results, hitting your dreams, getting the physique, the mindset, everything that you want out of your, out of your training. Yeah, no, and I think the cortisol talk was not, to, was not to steer people away from training really hard. I think people have this fear of, oh, if I train too hard, I'm gonna like not, you know, it's, it's training hard is good. It's that if you're going to train hard, you also have to rest pretty hard. They just have to be combined. Like there's nothing wrong with training like t- like really fucking hard. Like I-, I love training hard. You just can't do that every day and you have to accept that. What is that? <laughs> I thought I-, I X'd out of all my little tabs. That's funny. That was- um, totally agree. So uh, this episode has been... Megan and Caleb talking about stress, talking about what did we start off talking about? We were talking about uh, stress. <laughs> no, we started out something before. Conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we had an original topic that we started off on. I don't remember what it is. Keep your stress low. We're all going to be dead by next year anyway. <laughs> China's coming, baby. EMPs. Okay, I'll call it good on that.